The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Ready to talk sports with Daryl and Sam. Welcome to Sports Info UM featuring Daryl Oliver and Sam Sword. These guys know the sport like nobody else. From former players to coaches to the great figures of the NFL, you'll get the inside scoop on what's going down today in football and other sports. Now, here's Daryl and Sam. And welcome to Sports Info UM. Coach, what's going on? Not much, Darren. I'm excited about tonight. Hey, I'm excited about tonight, Coach. And, you know, um, tonight we're going to be talking a little bit about University of Miami football. And we have a special guest on tonight, um, Kenny Calhoun. Kenny Calhoun was one of the, um, what it was one of the, I guess you could say, one of the stars of a ESPN um, mini-movie, uh, Two Points, One Championship, the Tom Osborne story. And uh, it's based on University of Miami's first national championship when Tom Osborne went for the two points instead of going for the uh, the tie, which would have given Nebraska an undefeated season and um, the national championship. Yeah, it, it was pretty classic. Yeah, definitely a classic game. And uh, what made this so special for the city of Miami is that um, this was the 50th anniversary of the Orange Bowl. And um, it was just a special uh, season for the University of Miami. Uh, we got on a roll, uh, won 11 games in a row. Uh, as a matter of fact, the only team that we lost to was the Florida Gators. And um, they beat us in Gainesville with the freshman quarterback, uh, redshirt freshman quarterback, Bernie Kozar. I was also a redshirt freshman on that team. And the guest that we're going to have on our show tonight, Kenny Calhoun. Uh, Kenny was in his, uh, he was in his sophomore season at, at the University of Miami. Well, I'm, you know, I'm kind of interested to hear, Kenny, I've got some questions. Uh, if I get a chance, I think he played for Al Wernicke at Titusville uh, Astronaut. Yeah, well, he he did play at at, at Titusville. Uh, played with the uh, with the great Wilbur Marshall. Um, uh, had had a, a very good career at, at Titusville High School. Yeah. So uh, I think we have him on the line now. Uh, Kenny Calhoun, how's it going? Oliver, I'm doing well. How you doing, sir? I'm doing great. Well, let's let's first of all let's give you your due. You know, in in um in Miami, they still call Kenny the Miami Hurricane Hero, Kenny Calhoun, and they put all of that in front of his name. Uh, and Kenny's also, I tell you, man, a, a great friend, a great ambassador uh, for the University of Miami, and uh, we all have nothing but positive and great things to say about the the legendary Kenny Calhoun. Um, and I tell you right now, Coach, um, that tip pass in the um, in the end zone against Nebraska in 1983, when we won our very first national championship, 
um, started it all. Uh, Kenny, before we get started, I want to, uh, we got our producer, Matt. He found a clip from that, um, from that game. Matt, hit that for us. That's back up brilliantly executed play by Turner Gill. 24 yards and a touchdown now. It's a 31-30 game. And what does what Nebraska are they doing? do? I have not seen the kicker come on the field, and I don't think he's coming on the field. And I might as well, I think that they've got things going their way. Tom Osborne made this decision a long time ago. Don't think that this situation caught him by surprise. He's decided to go for two and take his shot and win, and I commend him for it. This is for the national championship for Nebraska. Kitty, that 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 gives me goosebumps, man. I, I got I'm telling you, all over my shoulders and my back. Just thinking about that night. Um, it was a little chill in the air in Miami um, um, that January first night. Uh, wow, what a game! Yeah, Daryl, that was a, an all, all, awesome game, and um, I just wanted to just get something straightened out before we get into that. Uh, I did attend a Titusville astronaut War Eagles, uh, not Titusville High School, and uh, Coach Jay Donnelly was the head coach there, and we we did uh, have a, an awesome program there. But I just wanted to clear that up. But back to that play, that game, that year, we were well coached, probably the best coach football team in uh, America. Uh, we had some wonderful coaches. And we had some just some gritty, uh, great football players who loved one another and uh, wanted a common goal. And we saw a vision. Coach Snellenberger led the vision with a national championship. We all believed, the city believed, so uh, we achieved. Oh, w- without a doubt, Kenny. And, um, and Coach Snellenberger was definitely uh, a, a leader. Of, of men, I tell you that. And he, met, he let it be known that we were men. Uh, he treated us like men, worked us very hard. We, we lost to the Florida Gators um, that year, and um, I, I've read somewhere that Coach Snellenberger said that he'd never work a team as hard as he worked us coming up to that season where we lost to the Florida Gators. And, um, and when you look back at our team and look back at the Gators team that year, I think we were a much better team, even though we were playing a, a, a freshman quarterback, a retro freshman quarterback, and Bernie Kozar. But um, do you think about um, that game, and if we had won that game, we would have had a, actually had an undefeated season? Yeah, it was, it was very well in our grasp, but, you know, uh, credit due to the University of Florida and, and that football team they had to me and, you know, a lot of other football scholars, that was a very good Florida Gator football team. But when you go to the University of Florida and you make two key turnovers in the first quarter and they go up 14 to nothing with the defense that they had and the harassment that they put on Bernie, it's, it's tough to win in those hostile environments. But it was definitely a game that we could have one. I would agree. And um, I tell you, man, back in the day, that was probably the most hostile environment for us to play in, um, in Gainesville, Florida, and now what they call the swamp. It wasn't called the swamp back then. It was just called Florida Field. Right. Now, was that Benny's first start as a quarterback? 
Now that was actually Bernie Kosar's uh, first start as a as a quarterback coach. That's what I was saying. Yeah, and 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 Kenny Calhoun, we have Coach Gordon Robertson on the line with us. Uh, Gordon is is my is our co-host on the show. And um, hey, Coach, how you doing? Great, Kenny. You know, do you think that uh, later down that you know, like three weeks later, y'all played number? Can you remember y'all played number thirteen Notre Dame and beat them twenty to nothing? Do you think that was really the big push start of the rest of that season? No, it was just. I mean, we had a solid mentality just going into every game. I mean, we we knew that we could win. It didn't matter who we played, you know. Uh, we really believed that no matter what team it was. And we welcomed the Notre Dames, you know, to come our way just to show everyone that we had a quality team. So I don't think that was it. Uh, we had an uh, awesome win against East Carolina that was hard fought. Uh, East Carolina only lost three games that year to the Florida schools, Florida and Florida State and Miami. So um, as we played the games, neither game was more challenging than the next. We just wanted to win each game as they came. But now y'all's last regular season game, y'all barely squeaked by FSU 17-16. That had to have been a real test. Well, yeah, it's it's tough to to win. Um, That was 10 games in a row at that time, but – Again, going to Florida State and beating them at Dope Campbell Stadium, you know, that's that's a monumental pass as well. And we, yeah. we positioned ourselves, Eddie Brown and Bernie and uh, the rest of the team, you know, made some pivotal plays to put us in position to win, and that's all we asked for was a 16-17 game. And we expected the offense to win every game when the defense held the opponent under 20 points. You know, and um, Kenny, when we think back on um, on that Notre Dame game, the year before that, Notre Dame beat us and um, beat us in Notre Dame, and we could not go to a bowl game. And I think that meant a lot to us, man. I mean, we always had a vendetta against against Notre Dame because they had stopped us from going to the the, the Hawaii Bowl at the time. I think it was called the Aloha Bowl. And, right. um, and we always just we, – we, we took it out on them for a few years after that. Um, because of that, that reason. A little payback. Yeah, it was definitely a little payback in, in against Notre Dame. But um, you know, Ken, when we when we look back at that Florida State game, I remember us kicking that that winning field goal late in the game. Um, um, kick our kicker's name was Davis. He kicked the field goal late in the game that that sealed the deal. Um, I remember myself having having a little kickoff return in that game. They kicked it short. I, I, I hey, I caught it, ran it for about thirty five yards. Man, got us on the forty five of Florida State first uh, series of the game. Absolutely, that was that helped. You know, that's part of winning that kicking game. That's three phases of the game that you want to win to um, beat an excellent opponent like Florida State. Oh yeah, oh yeah, and uh, and and. and um, and Florida State was they were back then as as good as they are now. They were Bobby Bowden had that team um superior. I mean, if it wasn't for us beating them a few times back in the eighties, you never know what what Florida State would have accomplished. Well, do you yeah. think uh if Coach Snellenberger I've always found was a great, interesting guy to hear as a coach, as a fellow coach, but if he would have stayed at Miami 
he had probably been the all-time winningest national championship coach in America. Wow. You know, because he had won five more. You know, he would have won all those other games, I'm sure. You know, he would have won those other championships that Miami did win. But if he had stayed at Miami, it would have been interesting to see if he would have had – I would have felt like that he would have had those because he was such a great coach. Coach Nellenberger won everywhere he, he's coached, and uh, there's no doubt about it. He would have won more championships at the University of Miami, even with some teams that did not win with other coaches. Um, I have no doubt about it because he surrounded himself with excellent coaches, and right. those coaches knew how to coach, knew how to break down film, knew how to break down the opponent, knew how to read tendencies, and I, I say this to just about everyone I talk to about this Nebraska game. On defense, Coach Olivadotti, Mike Archer, Bill Trout, they put you in a position where you can make a play. They didn't put you in a a, a play that you could not make the play. When you, they called the play, they knew what the team was going to run, and that play that they put you in, all you needed to do was make a play. So uh, they gave you an opportunity to win the game. So, uh, you know, hats off to those guys. I love them. They were great. Right. And, and you know, Kenny, when we, when we look at that play um, over and over and over, everybody was in the right position. I mean, when you look at it, everybody was in the right rush lanes. Nobody was confused. Everybody knew what they were going to do. You know, we didn't call a timeout to get prepared. You know, everybody knew what they were going, knew what they were doing. You know, when I when I look at that play, um, you know, you were you were at strong safety. Eddie Williams, he was at the free safety. Rodney Bellinger was at the uh, strong corner, and Reggie Sutton was um, playing the weak corner in the secondary. And and I mean, you guys just flowed like like. You know, like like a car wash. You know, you just knew exactly where you were going, what you were supposed to do, right there in that position. And uh, and I guess, do you ever think about that ball touching your hand again when you stretch out the tap that ball that uh, that Steve Smith could have reset, uh, caught for a touchdown for Nebraska? But do you ever think about the feel of that ball touching it? Because back then we didn't wear gloves. You know, I, I'm, I know you didn't have gloves on. Right. Yes, actually I do, and, I, and I'll, I'll elaborate a little more. Uh, we actually, the coaches knew that in situations such as Nebraska was in, pretty much kind of desperation for them because they didn't get in desperation too much, but they had a tendency to run a pass play to the wide side of the field. So we uh, crafted a, a defense, the coaches did, 55 double dog trio which had both linebackers blitzing, putting pressure on the quarterback, so he had to make a quick decision. Uh, we ins- instituted a trio call, which is a combination between the free safety and the strong safety. So if the number two receiver went inside, the, strong, the, the free safety would pick that man up. If the number three receiver came outside, which was Jeff Smith, then the, the strong safety would pick that up. Normally, our tendency was we stayed man on man no matter where we were on the field. But we, we coach Snellenberg, coach Olivadotti, designed that play, say, hey, when we get to this point in the game, this is the call we're going to make. And that's, that was, that was, 
is what I was saying about them putting us in a position to make the play. Eddie wouldn't have had a chance to get to that number three receiver based on it's, it's, it's like a pick play. They sent the number two receiver to pretty much pick off Eddie and his man would have went to the flats and he wouldn't have had an opportunity to, to make the play. But yes, Ollie, I do remember the field. Uh, my two fingers on my right hand touching that ball and knowing that I got enough on it to make a difference, knowing that I had enough on it to for that receiver not to catch the ball. Uh, wow. A great feeling, man, great feeling, awesome feeling, let me tell you. Yeah. Hey, and, and it's, it's still an awesome feeling to look at it, Kenny. It gives me an awesome feeling to look at that play. And uh, and to reminisce about that game is still, it's still an awesome play. And um, I, I remember um, – when you when you see that play, you can see um, Jay Brophy and Jack Fernandez, both of them doing a double dog blitz coming right yeah. up the gut. Yeah, and that, and that was the reason why the the throw was hurried behind. You know, is a reason why he threw it behind because he had to get rid of the ball. See, they don't get credit where credit is due. That pressure. Right forced him to throw the ball before he wanted to, forced him to throw the ball before Jeff Smith got in position, all of that. That was the whole design of that play, and it worked to the T. Exactly. Yep. Well, hey, guys, I want you to know you're listening to the Sports Info UM show on the Voice America Radio, and tonight our special guest is Kenny Calhoun the Miami Hurricane hero, the man that tipped the ball and tipped it down, got enough of it for, you know, University of Miami to win their very first national championship in 1983 in the 50th anniversary of the Miami Orange Bowl. We'll be right back with more Kenny Calhoun on the Sports Info UM radio show. flagship station for sports voice america sports are you ready for a show that's all about what goes on behind the scenes and how it relates to what you see on the field tune in for nick ferguson's secondary perspective on the voice america sports channel our guests will bring you the stories the opinions the expertise and the inspiration behind what you hear in sports news find out what happens next Listen for Nick Ferguson's Secondary Perspective, live every Thursday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time, on the Voice America Sports Channel. Okay, sports fans, here's your opportunity to discuss football, America's favorite sport. On an annual basis, millions of people attend, watch, and listen to football, both pro and college. Ray Ellis Sports, an internet talk radio show, was developed with the fan in mind. Join host, former Philadelphia Eagles and Cleveland Browns strong safety, Ray Ellis, on Voice America Sports every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific for exciting, interactive football discussions from the fans' perspective. Tune in every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific to Ray Ellis Sports right here on the Voice America Network and let's talk football. 
Sports continues to grow and evolve to ever-increasing prominence in today's society. On All Around Sports, host John Inglesby will connect with the leading newsmakers from the sports world, including players, owners, and fellow sports journalists, discussing the top news and events that are relevant to sports today. John will also report from and offer his experience of the world's top sports events. Tune in to All Around Sports with John Inglesby, Fridays at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You're tuned in to Sports Info UM with Daryl and Sam. Call us today at 888 346 9144. That's 888-346-9144. Or send us an email at sportsinfoum3793 at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. They've got things going their way. Tom Osborne made this decision a long time ago. Don't think that this situation caught him by surprise. He's decided to go for two and take his shot at winning. I commend him for it. This is for the national championship for Nebraska. Incomplete. I'll tell you this. What a game. And, uh, Kenny, you know, um, when we played that game, we had been off for a while. I mean, we played – we didn't have one open date that season. I mean, we, we lost to Florida, our very first game of the season, and then we won 10 games in a row. And um, we were, and then we had our bye while everyone else was playing. It was kind of cool ha- having a couple of days off. I remember that, Coach Nunnenberger, uh giving us some days off. A lot of the guys went to the beach and hung out, did things. But um, how do you, how, what, what is your, your, your thoughts on on this whole Miami first championship, being a part of it, how the city uh, embraced us and took took care of us, really. Well, it's um, it's it's truly amazing. Uh, it was truly amazing then, um, you know, to be a part of something, being your first, believing in uh, a team, a program, the coaches, the players the school, the city, um, and to see, you know, a dream come true, um, you know, by courage, commitment, and continuity. You know, that's what we uh, built that team on. And for all the, the, the program, the city, and all involved to, to be a part of that and to be the first team in the state of Florida to, you know, other than FAM, you, the Division One school, to win a, a national championship in, in college football is, bar none, the, the best feeling a uh, college football player can ever uh, feel. And, and you could be just as proud as you want to be today of that, uh, that luxury. Oh, without a doubt. And uh, I tell you, I'm, I'm so proud I wear that national championship ring every day. Kenny, I really do because it means that much to me, and um, and just to be a part of, of such a, a great team. I mean, I'm, I don't think we had. I've never been a part of a team 
um, that has never had any enemies on the team. I mean, everybody on that team got along with each other. They respected each other. And we worked hard for each other. I mean, because we didn't want to let one another down. I, you know, I, I, I can remember some blitz drill pickups at University of Miami that were way more physical than the games were. You know, that's just how hard we practice uh, at, at UM. Yeah, we, we practice actually to stay on the field because I, I know I have some uh, vulnerable, uh, you know, players trying to play Greg Jones. You know, he was just as good as I was. You know, we was going at it every day. Uh, and he came in and uh, spelled me for several plays and uh, did, you know, just as good a job as I did. You know, I mean, each player uh, position one, two, three deep could come in there and do the same job as the number one guy. So you didn't want to get knocked off for uh, slacking in practice or an injury because you may not get your position back. You may not be that starter again. So it's something that you had to mentally and physically go out every day and do your best in practice. So the coaches would just, you know, replace you with the number two guy and, and wouldn't skip a beat. And you're right, and you may not ever touch the field again. And I, I, I tell people um, now that um, every day before you went to practice, sometimes you even got over to practice early, got to the facility early, so you could see the depth chart. And every day before you went out to practice, you looked at the depth chart to see where you were. Are you in the same position you were yesterday? Did you do enough yesterday to creep up one position? If you are the number one position, do you still have your number one position today? Because that's how competitive it was at the University of Miami every day. It could be the number three guy. You look up and he's at number one um, because, you know, somebody's hurt. Somebody had a crappy practice. Hey, it, it was that competitive at the University of Miami, and um, and I, I don't even want to go to that right now. We're going to talk about that a little later in the show. About we, I don't think the same uh, competition level is there right now. But Kenny, um, you know, you had an experience that a lot of athletes um uh, wish that they could have. You had a chance to um, to join the um, the film world. Per se, um, I saw you uh, on your guest debut on the ESPN film um, Two Points, One Championship, the Tom Osborne story where he, he went for the two-point conversion. Would you like to um, tell us a little bit about your experience on that, on that television film, ESPN film? Yeah, that was, that was a great experience. Uh, the producer, John uh, Franco, he uh, called me up and said, hey, we're doing this film. He didn't uh, get into details on how it was going to be laid out. It was okay. He said he was going to get some players from Miami for Florida State and tell the, the story about the, the two-point conversion, you know, and, uh, you know, that interested me. So I was all in, but just the uh, – uh, John was wonderful working with him, and uh, he's a class act, and uh, I, you know – I'm really honored to be a part of that because, you know, I'm, I'm really like the bad guy in that, uh, whole thing, uh, uh, as far as my role in the, in, in the, uh, film, it, it's kind of like a spoiler role to all those other guys. You know, they, they kind of still feel kind of sour, a little salty about my role in the film, but, um, I was just as proud as ever to be up in there and giving them my little, little part. I, 
They even gave me a speaking part, Ollie. I got to say a couple <laughs> words in there, so that made me proud. <laughs> Oh, I tell you, you represented the University of Miami very well, Kenny, and all of us that know you expected nothing less than you um, being a, a super ambassador for us. No, thank you. I appreciate that, man. I had a great time doing that. Yeah. Did you have an opportunity to uh, talk to uh, Tom Osborne or, or meet any of, the, any of the former Nebraska players or, or staff of any sort during the making no, of this film? No, no, I didn't have the pleasure of meeting those fine gentlemen, you know, those fine athletes, and uh, <laughs> I, I did not, and uh, you know, and that's okay too because um, you know they don't they don't respect the the program for what it is, you know. Um, they didn't give us much uh, of a chance to win that game, and you know, I, I can understand it because even before you know we played them, uh, you know the. The broadcasts were, hey, the Cinderella team against, you know, Big Red, Nebraska, number one team in the nation, you know, the best team in 20 years. And, uh, you know, so you kind of feel a way when you, this quality of team that they had, and they had goals that they had set in the beginning of the year to go 13-0 and and to be the national championship. So uh, I think they were pleased to be uh, playing the University of Miami, uh, a number five team that, um, you know, they were on the radar, but not so much, you know. So they really probably felt that uh, they didn't probably have to give their best effort to beat us. Uh, you know, I, I, I would agree with you in a sense, Kenny, because, you know, um, they were David, you know, uh, we we were David, they were Goliath. I mean, they came in being considered as being the, the greatest team in the history of college football. You know, they had the, the, the they they had offensive linemen 300 plus back then when it wasn't a, a, a natural thing for offensive linemen to be 300 plus. Um, they had the greatest receiver in, in um, um, I can't think of the, ah, I can't think of his name fire. right now. Irvin Fry, and then they Number had Tony Gill at quarterback, Mike Rozier, the Heisman Trophy winner, and their backfield. You know, they 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 had the complete package, and um and we were just a team from Miami uh, had not long been what was considered suntan you, and we still had a little bit of that called um, <laughs> being called. You know, we were the suntan university. We weren't expected to have a dominant football team or a dominant program, nothing compared to um, the big red machine, um, Nebraska at the time. You know, hey, but it was our day. And, and you know, and it was our day because so many things had to happen for us to win. You know, we were com- cam- coming into the day, we were the number five ranked team. Uh, Nebraska was number one. Uh, number uh, four, three, and two, those teams lost that day to teams below them and we had a chance to play the number one team and beat them and and just so happened that number one team was not only the number one team they were one of the greatest teams in the history of our sport so if you beat them you deserve to be the number one team after winning um that national winning winning that game against nebraska yeah, you're right, Ollie. Just a little correction on, on that one. You know, uh, the number three team who uh, we ended up beating, Auburn, they actually beat Michigan like 9-3. Uh, 
and, uh, you know, in a kind of like a subpar game. So we actually jumped over them to win, and they were kind of salty about that. So we played them for the kickoff classic that uh, in uh, 1984 in the Meadowlands, and we settled that. So we was done with them talking that trash. But, yeah, again, you know, it goes back to the, the coaching staff. And, um, and, and Ollie, you know this as, as well as anybody. We were a very disciplined team. And um, we we did what we were supposed to do. We ran the plays. We we uh, read our keys. We executed. We reacted to the ball. And pretty much on offense, we executed the plays. The receivers caught the ball. There wasn't many drops. Glenn Dickinson was the best tight end in the country. He never dropped the ball that I can think of. Uh, Stanley Shakespeare, my roommate, rest in peace. You know, Ed Brown converted from a defensive back to a receiver. Uh, Reggie Sutton converted from a receiver to a defensive back. And we talked about that Notre Dame game. I think Reggie blocked two field goals in that game. That helped us right. in our momentum. Uh, extra point in a field goal or, or something like that. But um, that was, you know, those were great uh, plays to build confidence. You know, so we knew that we could beat these teams. Oh yeah, what I what I question, Kenny, and um, and thanks for that correction because when you made that correction, um, in that '84 game against Auburn in the kickoff classic in the Meadowlands in New York in New Jersey Meadowlands, I caught the very first pass of that season. When I caught a pass uh, in 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 that game against Auburn, uh, I started. That was my very first career start as well. All right, good yeah. time. You you, right. you beat Bo Jackson, baby. Hey, I beat Bo Jackson, baby. <laughs> hey, Kenny, you remember one play in that game? I hate to get out track, but one play in that game when Reggie Sutton jumped on Bo Jackson's back. Reggie Sutton oh, jumped on Bo Jackson's back, and he was just kind of like riding him down the field by four or five yards. Oh, yes, man. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Bo was a tremendous talent, man. I, I mean, oh, yeah. I, kudos. That was one of the fastest players I ever uh, played against, him and Irvin Fryer, man. I tell you the truth, uh, respect, dude. Yeah, yeah. So, Kenny, um, of the of the making of this film, you know, um, it, it actually, you know, it brings you more uh, status in the community of Miami. Uh, you know, you're already the, the Miami uh, Hurricane hero. Uh, we got you got much. And coach, I'm gonna tell you something, man. Hanging out with this guy in Miami. It's like hanging out with a lottery ticket. You understand what I'm saying? I mean, <laughs> everywhere you go, it's like, oh, Kenny, come on. I mean, they, 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 I, I get a lot of love in Miami. There's no doubt. And I think all the Hurricane players get a lot of love in Miami. But there are some guys like Kenny Calhoun. He's in the status of, of Bernie Kozar. I mean, they give this guy a lot of love, Coach. And I'm telling you, walking around him is like walking around with a lottery ticket in the city of Miami. You don't pay for nothing. Uh, you, you walk in every place where there's a cover charge. You, he, he flashes his ring. And then I flash, mm -hmm. I flash my ring, and I guess they say, oh, they must be together. And they let me in going with him, Coach. Olive, <laughs> uh, you're too kind, man. I love you, too. Uh, we get a lot of love down there in South Florida, man. Uh, I love South Florida. I respect to all the people, all the fans. You know, love runs deep. Uh, man, what a great place to play college football down in the University of Miami, Coral Gables. Uh, it's, it's an awesome experience. 
one, you don't trade for anything. You know, it's something, you know, you you pretty much uh, put your heart on the line for the you. I, I, I grew up as a, a young man to a man down there. I, I, I learned a lot about life. Uh, you know, Ollie, Daryl, myself, you know, we got our degrees. That's a big part of it. That's a big part of the University of Miami. You go down there, you play football, and you get your education. You know, you learn. You just don't play football. You learn how to play football and get, get your education or afterwards, after your, your tenure in the pros. So that's what the University of Miami is all about. And then when you go back, the school show you love, the community show you love, and, and the history lives on. I, I couldn't have said it better myself, Kenny. Um, I mean, you, you get a lot of respect for winning championships in, in the city of Miami. Um, and, and I guess the camaraderie among the players that have played at the University of Miami is still so strong. And I think that means a lot to us. And I guess that's one of the reasons um, watching this team um, falter and and not play at the level that we would like to see them play at, or maybe not even um, play at play with the kind of energy that we played with in the 80s and we saw these teams play with in the 90s and we saw this team win championships in 2000s. So we, 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 we just don't, we don't see what we have seen from the University of Miami. And in a sense, I guess we are spoiled as former players, as fans, and, uh, and our expectations are very, very high. And Kenny, we're going to get right into that right after we come back from our last commercial break. And you're listening to Sports Info UM on the Voice America Radio. We'll be right back, guys. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. Check your feelings at the door and enter the man cave. Don't let the name fool you because we're here for anybody that wants to talk and listen in. Host J.D. Harris and Ray Austin are here to lead the forum from the fans, former players, owners, execs, and coaches. While inside the man cave, you do whatever you like. We won't judge. We'll even go beyond sports to talk technology, current events, and entertainment. Tune in every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Are you a real sports fan? Get ready to talk football and anything else sports with Kwame Lasseter. Formerly with the Arizona Cardinals, San Diego Chargers, and St. Louis Rams, Kwame's got the experience. So he's prepared to talk sports with you every week on Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk. It's on the Voice America Sports Network every Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time. Get ready for an unpredictable, fun, and sometimes sarcastic look at the world of sports. That's Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk on the Voice America Sports Network. Are you ready to talk sports with a passion? Get ready for Cheap Shots with Luther Broughton and Micah Warren. We'll start off with the NFL pretty much always, but the talk moves along from there. We'll talk about the events of the week, opinions from the big names, and predictions of what's to come. Plus, we'll get to hear from you, the ultimate fan. Don't let the name of the show fool you. We're in it for the good stuff. 
Cheap Shots can be heard live every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific on Voice America Sports. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. You're tuned in to Sports Info UM with Daryl and Sam. Call us today at 888-346-9144. That's 888-346-9144. Or send us an email at sportsinfoum3793 at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. And welcome back to Sports Info UM. And we have Kenny Calhoun, the Miami Hurricane hero, the man that tapped the ball down in the Nebraska game in 1983, giving University of Miami its first national championship and a, and a start of a string of national championships for the University of Miami. Kenny, you know, um, you know, the University of Miami has had a, had a tradition of winning, had a tradition of sending a lot of guys to the pros. And the sad part about it is we still have a tradition of sending guys to the pros. We're just not winning. I don't understand how we, we – you look up, Chantrell Henderson is starting for the Buffalo Bills, and here this kid couldn't – we couldn't even get him on the field at the University of Miami. I don't understand this. Yeah, Ollie, I guess, um, you know, it, it goes – to the head, you want to you want to challenge that to the head coach. You got these players that are excellent athletes, pro quality talent that are not playing and could help any team win at any level that they play on. So you you have to um, look at these coaches and say, what are you doing? Why are these kids not playing? They're talented. They they're pro material, but they're not playing for you. So what is wrong with your coaching? What is wrong with you coaching these athletes? Where do you go from there? I would agree, Kenny, and um, I, I would agree. I think um, coach needs to work on his strategies of of motivating these young men, these young men, because it really looks like he has a lot of talent on his team, but they're not getting the maximum out of the talent that they have on this team. You know, and I guess I heard something that was very disturbing, and uh, it's almost like a, a whisper from the locker room. Um, Duke Johnson's mom came out and said something on on one of these um, sites, Twitter, Facebook, one of them, that if a lot of these kids didn't have to sit out a year at the University of Miami, they would transfer because they don't, think the program is going in the direction they want it, that they like. That was kind yeah, of disturbing hearing something like that. Um, this And that was, um, I think that was almost as soon as the season was over. Well, Darren, do you think it's more leadership than it is? I mean, I'll never forget as a young coach that I, when I met Gary Stevens, he told me that Coach Nullenberger said he would work out every day. He didn't care he wasn't a player. He was a coach, and he was the offensive coordinator. He told him he would work out. I mean, when a guy's got that kind of you know, control uh, that everybody realizes you need, I think that's monumental for having a great program. I, I would agree. And, and, and almost all of Coach Nullenberger's coaches went on to – 
be NFL coaches. As a matter of fact, uh, Mark Tressman, who was just fired by the Chicago Bears, was a graduate assistant for Coach Snellenberg when we won our first national championship in 1983. And how do you feel about that, Kenny? Well, I agree, man. Uh, the, the coaches... I mean, I saw Coach Oliver Dodd. I've seen him running around the campus. I never knew that uh, that was something that Coach Nellenberg had instilled in, in them to, to be a part of the coaching staff that you, you should work out, you must work out. But it inspired me to see them running around campus. So, you know, if they worked out, you know, it, we should work out. And, you know, all of that worked. All yeah. of that worked. That's like he worked. It was good, good for the coaches, good for me good for the team you know and and I, I keep talking about these great coaches man I just don't see great coaches at the University of Miami right now I don't see them I don't see you Molly well I, I I know you have a concern and I and um I know you have to be a little bit concerned about the defense that we're running at the University of Miami and the lack of pressure um, you know, we talked a lot on this show tonight, but we really didn't talk about some of those defensive linemen that we had back in the day, uh, Willie Lee Broughton and, and Fred Robinson, um, Dallas Cameron, um, and I know I can't think of everybody, but we had some guys that were relentless, man, and and we just I just don't see that kind of defensive pressure Um uh, Tony Fitzpatrick was another one of those defensive linemen on that 83 championship team. But I just don't see the re- the re- the the pressure and the I guess the the aggression that we had when we played from these guys. Um, Tony Fitzpatrick was a, not a very big guy, but boy, did he get after you nonstop. I mean, he never gave up. And um I just don't see that this kind of uh, fortitude from these guys that are playing at the University of Miami right now. I, I don't think there's any um, team that wanted it as as bad as we wanted it. Uh, on defense, what we did, we played our base defense, 50 greens defense, uh, 80% of the time, every game. And teams just could not uh, make us get out of that. They didn't do enough to get us out of our base defense. So we were able to just perfect that defense, you know, that 50 green and go get them. That's that zone and we all over you and we played it well. Uh, you know, so we were great in what we did, you know, over and over again, you know, do, uh, practicing the right way, playing it the right way. We couldn't be stopped, you know, and, and pressure, you know, that D line, you have to win that line. Um, on, you know, Kevin Fagan, uh, Darrell, you didn't mention, but he was a beast, a you beast. know, there. Uh, you know, we talk about our defensive end, uh, Danny Brown, uh, Danny Brown, we had uh, Julio Cortez, you know, undersized guys, but had a motor. And you Joe hear this motor, you know, coaches talk about a motor, Joe Colbrand. And uh, these guys just got, got after you every play. And it goes back to, Ollie, what you said, and I forgot about it until you mentioned it. it. It goes back to what you said in the locker room before you went out to the field or when you walked in, you looked at that depth chart to see where you were. And that motivated those players to keep a motor. And that was a big part of what you, what you said 
and how the players played on the field because they didn't know uh, where they would position themselves on that depth chart depending on their performance at practice. And, and, you know, Kenny, I guess that's my concern now for the University of Miami. Do they still have that uh, motivation or do they still look at that depth chart in the same um, attitude that we looked at? Like, hey, man, if I don't – if I don't go out here and perform at my highest level today, I could be number three tomorrow instead of number one. And I, and I guess I, I look at some of these kids that come to the University of Miami, and they look like they have a starting position um, before the ink is dry on the scholarship. So they don't really have to work hard to to be that number one guy. Um, I, I, that that kind of stuff concerns me. I don't. I know for a fact. There is no quarterback could have come in any time I played at the University of Miami and played as a true freshman. At any time while I was at the University of Miami, no play, no freshman quarterback could have came in and played at 18 years old. And I'm even including Bernie Kosar in that. Um, and he won a national championship as a redshirt freshman, meaning he'd already been on campus for a year uh, and then he won a national championship. So it troubles me. To, it troubled me this year to see us play a true freshman at quarterback. And I'm like, how did I cover that quarterback get so dry where to the point where we have to play an 18-year-old that was playing with high school kids last year? It just don't work. Well, it just I, means they're I, not I'll, really- I'll revert back to what I've been saying, you know, this whole call. You, you talk about the coaches, and I'm going to talk about coaches because we had Earl Morrow. We had um, not only that, Bernie had, was backing up Jim Kelly, okay? Yes. So he saw a lot of how to do things right, you know, his right. year there. You, you had Mark Tressman. You know, you had Gary Stevens. You know, so you you had a wealth of knowledge there and great talent. So all you had to do was go out there and practice and just emulate what the guy in front of you did. If you did half the things that Jim Kelly did right, you were a great quarterback, you know. <laughs> and, and Bernie was a very smart uh, person, not just a football player, but he was a very smart person. And people would uh, – he was misunderstood as a football player because he was more, had more talent than they uh, – that he led – people to believe he was super precise with his throws he had a strong arm and he threw a nice catchable long ball you know so Bernie Ali I I agree with you but if you put those coaches and the quarterback in front of uh, a lot of these young kids they could grow and see what it took to become that great quarterback Uh, when I was on campus I didn't realize how good of a quarterback Jim Kelly was just playing with him. You know, I just thought everybody, every team had a quarterback was Jim Kelly caliber, but that's not the case. We kind of get sucked into how great players are because we play with them. But if you play with another team, you play against another team, then that's why we were able to beat them, Ollie, because we were playing the best team in practice against ourselves. You're you're right, Kenny. You know, I'm telling you, you were going up against an All-American in Eddie Brown every day you went to practice. And and Glenn Dennison was also an All-American tight end. You know, Bernie Kosar was, uh, uh, 
he went on to be a Pro Bowl quarterback. And the same with uh, with Jim Kelly. And I tell you, man, when I look back at the days that I had an opportunity to see Jim Kelly play in game, he only played in, in one game at University of Miami my freshman year. And but to see him practice coming up into that game that he did play in and in, in, uh, the preseason, man. This guy was unbelievable, and what a professional in college. I mean, Jim Kelly was a true professional playing yeah, college he was, he was, um, football. He was the cream of the crop, uh, and um, like I say, we get spoiled and just don't know um, the talent pool that we had on the team. Uh, as many other players that, that um, rose to the Cajun and, and uh, were juggernauts and just did everything that the coaching staff asked them, you know, Raven Long in the in the weight room was a big part of it. You know, you got these kids now just don't they don't pay the price to be the number one team. I I would agree with you, Kenny. You know, um, Kenny, we, we're down to our last three minutes, man. Um, you got the floor. You, anybody you want to give a shout out to? Any foundation you want to give a shout out to? It's all yours, Kenny. And I tell you, man, I can't thank you enough. And I speak for Coach Roberts as well for coming on the show. Um, you're a Miami Hurricane hero, and trust me, you're one of my heroes too, bro. Thank you, Ollie. Thank you, Coach Gordon, man. I love you guys. I appreciate the opportunity of being on the air with you. Uh, the U, you know, will rise again. Uh, we got a lot of work to do, you know, uh, to make that happen, Ollie. Uh, I love you. You're my brother uh, forever, together, together, forever. <laughs> forever, ever? I will for sure. I, I will for sure. Hey, uh, it was Coach. a pleasure talking to you, sir. I hope to see you in the flesh. All righty. Thanks, KC, for everything. Uh, you got it, man. Appreciate it. Much love, brother. Peace. Hey, guys. Thank you for listening to Sports Info UM on the Voice America Radio. It's been a great show. Coach Kenny Calhoun, hey, and you couldn't ask for much more than, a, than a, a, an ambassador for the University of Miami, a, a, a Floridian, an ambassador for the state of Florida, a man from Titusville. He lives down in, over in Lakeland, Florida now. He's a super guy. Uh, hey, top notch, Coach. Cream of the crop. Oh, yeah, you could Cream tell. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yep. So, hey, uh, thank you again, Kenny. Uh, Coach, thanks again for a great show. And, guys, thank you for listening to Sports Info UM on the Voice America Radio. We'll see you next week with more Sports Info. Thanks again for listening. Daryl Oliver and Sam Sword will be back again next Monday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time, 8 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel for more Sports Info UM. We'll see you then.